Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will share with you the current top three deceptions that are dividing the church and causing dissent among the body of Christ. In the last year, 2020 elections, the COVID-19 vaccine, and Black Lives Matter movements have come into the world as great deceptions. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on February 14, 2021. Okay, we're going to begin as we always do with the Word of God. We do this in order to establish a firm foundation as the basis upon which we build this. So I would encourage you to search and examine the Scriptures for yourself and see if what I am saying is true or not, like the Bereans in Acts 17.11 of whom we're told that the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. And here's why. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And that's what I would encourage you to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. You can follow along. Uh, If not, just the reference will be there. And I would really encourage you to go to these passages of Scripture. It's going to be germane to our understanding of the topic that we're going to address today. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, by the Holy Spirit to the Corinthian church, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, this is what Jesus said would be the litmus test by which people would know that we were His disciples, by our love one for another. And make no mistake about it, the enemy knows that. And if it's by our love one for another that we're known to be His disciples, then wouldn't it stand to reason that if we're fighting one with another. That would work the opposite direction. That's what Paul says. Listen to what he says next. He says, if you bite 
and devour each other? Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, I want to read verses 24 through 26. Jesus is speaking. And he says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. 1 Corinthians again, this time chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. Listen to the heart of the Apostle Paul. He says, now I plead with you, I'm, I'm begging you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am a Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He's pleading with them, stop! Stop fighting with each other. Stop arguing with each other, I beg of you. Christ is not divided. He's united. The body is united. You're dividing the body of Christ. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Here the Apostle Paul, again, listen to his heart. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Second Timothy chapter 2. We were there a few weeks ago in our study through Second Timothy, which Lord willing we're going to actually complete today. Beginning in verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I like to say, I, that's what the Bible says. He uses that word. Proverbs 12 too, by the way, uh, says that the one who hates correction is stupid. 
emphasis added. (laughs) But don't have anything to do with these arguments. They, They are foolish and they are stupid arguments. They accomplish nothing. He goes on to say, because you know that they produce quarrels. And here's the thing, verse 24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, better understood as teachable, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and, listen very carefully, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Did you catch that? These are Christians. These are servants of the Lord that Paul is admonishing to not be quarrelsome. And these are Christians, servants of the Lord that need to repent. And they need to come to their senses. Why? Because the devil has taken them captive to do his job for him and instead of him by biting and devouring and fighting and arguing and contending with the body of Christ. The devil cannot possess a Christian that is filled with the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, born again of the Holy Spirit. But Satan can certainly take captive a Christian and get that Christian to do his bidding. And that's what Paul is saying here. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that, here's why in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, it is very possible for the Christian to be outwit by Satan. And it is also very possible for the Christian to be unaware of the devil's schemes, strategies, and tactics. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, a verse I'm sure familiar to many. The Apostle Paul in describing the spiritual armor says, for we do not wrestle. That's an interesting word for those of you that wrestled. That's a full-on, full-body. I think I tried wrestling 
Barely once. I didn't actually make it through. I I was pinned and I tapped out like within seconds. (laughs) This is not for me. Not not into this. (laughs) He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, and then he delineates four entities in the spiritual realm, all of which are demonic in their rankings. He says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, people are not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. But what has the enemy done? He's got you fighting with one another. And (laughs) they're not the enemy, but we've made them the enemy. And we've cooperated with the real enemy in making them the enemy. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8. Jesus has just been asked by the disciples two questions, really a twofold question. What will be the signs of your return and of the end of the age? And this was Jesus' answer. He says, first and foremost, and this is key, watch out that no one deceives you. Deception is the number one thing. And then he goes on to list the other things that will be signs that will mark his return and the end of the age. He says, verse 5, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and, here it is again, will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, better understood as wars and threats of wars. But see to it, that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And then he says this, verse 7, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning, key word, of birth pains, which come in greater frequency and greater intensity. In other words, Jesus is likening these signs to birth pains, that His return will be like when a baby is born, and preceding that are the birth pains. Here's the thing about birth pains, not that I know from firsthand experience, but I was there for the birth of all four of our children. It was really hard on me. I just want you to know. My wife too, but um, oh, that was brutal. Here's the thing. Once those birth pains start, that baby's coming. It ain't going to stop. Once it gets to a 10, I mean, could you imagine the birth pains start? They start increasing in frequency and intensity, and the physician says, you know what? I have a staff meeting I have to get to, and then I have a lunch meeting. Can you just hold on? I'll be right back, and then we'll finish this up. Nope. That baby is a coming. 
once those birth pains start. Now why do I point that out? Because when Jesus says nation will rise against nation, He uses a word in the original that carries with it the idea of ethnicity. People united by kinship, ethnicity, culture, and common traditions, dare I say skin color? The common denominator with all these verses, and really the many other others like them, is that they speak to the deadly danger of demonic division from none other than the author of confusion, the devil himself. I say it this way because this is one of the most powerful and successful schemes of the devil. Because as Jesus said, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his sole goal. And this because he knows that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. He knows that. He cannot prevail against the church outwardly. So he sows division inwardly. That's his strategy. That's his tactic. Enter the idiom, divide and conquer, which Merriam-Webster defines as to make a group of people disagree and fight with one another so that they will not join together against one. It's as it's been said, and as I'm sure you've heard it said, the oldest trick in the book, used in warfare certainly, but even more importantly in spiritual warfare. Dare I say that this is exactly what's happening today, such that the enemy seeks to distract one's focus and attention, and he does so in order to create division. And when this happens, those distracted are then deceived, and they don't even realize it, which explains why it is that they expend all their energy towards hate, anger, fear, and even rage against individuals or groups. They've been divided divide and conquer. It's now us and them. Us and them. Them against us, us against them. Perfect. Satan can take the rest of the day off, sit back in his lazy boy. That was a horrible illustration, but it's the best I got, so it's all you get. (laughs) Perfect. It's exactly what he set out to do, and it works. Now this flaring up and rising up one against another, 
not only creates division and distrust, but it also separates and weakens. And as such, the perpetrator has now gained the power to both control and conquer opposing factions that are now in this weakened state, having been forced to choose which side they're on. They, they chose, because we're, we're given that, that choice. Are you, are you for them? If you're for them, then I'm against you. And that's what's happening. If you were to ask me what I thought was yet another sign of how close we are to the rapture of the church, this would have to be at the top of the list. And I'll explain why I say that. People, Christians, rising up against other people, Christians, increasing in both its frequency and its intensity, is like the birth pains that Jesus spoke of. And here's the thing, and this is where in my seeking the Lord, inquiring of the Lord as to, Lord, what's going on? What's happening? The state of the church in the world today is heartbreaking. It's terrifying, actually. And what the Lord ministered to me is that the church that He comes back for, the church described at the time of the rapture prior to the seven-year tribulation, the description of the church at that time is a weakened church, a battle-weary church, barely hanging on. And one need look no further than to the letter that we have in the book of Revelation to the church of Philadelphia. I'll read verses 8 and then 10 and 11. Jesus has John write this letter to this actual church in Asia Minor. We know it today as modern day Turkey. And no rebuke for this church, encouragement for this church. And he says, to them and of them, I know your deeds. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that, listen, you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. In other words, there were those who did. Did what? who didn't keep the word, who did deny his name. And again, do you see the picture painted on the canvas of this prophecy concerning this church, which portrays prophetically the church in the last days? It's a church with little strength, barely hanging on. Jesus is returning. This fact is one we can get excited about despite any circumstances we find ourselves in. Jesus will return one day to rid this earth of every evil thing that's destroying it. 
He'll once and for all take down the enemy and establish his kingdom in our midst. How soon will this amazing event occur? The Bible tells us that no one knows the exact date, but it does give us clues about events that will take place as it nears. This is why Pastor J.D. has created these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The Mideast Bible Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indicators of what's to come, and we can see many of these events happening all around the world today. Join us each week for an in-depth look at what the Bible has to say about current events on these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The latest updates are available on the In Spirit and Truth YouTube channel, and you'll find a link to our page by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can also access these teachings through our mobile app for Apple and Android devices. Just search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store, or follow the links provided at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. With this app, you can take the Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates with you wherever you go, as well as give you access to many other teachings Pastor J.D. has shared from the pages of Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.